This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I love when I have a pure breed entrepreneur, Sophia Amoruso. She is the founding and general partner at Trust Fund and the founder of Business Class. Welcome to The Playbook, Sophia. Hi, David. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to have you here. Every time I watch you, every time I talk to you, there's always something bigger and better. And that's how I know when I talk about the purity of an entrepreneur, someone that energetically and genetically inherited the sickness that I have uh, and can create abundance with it. For you, when did you realize that you do have that inherent genetic and energetic inheritance of you must be what you can be and you must make impact by utilizing what you can be. Yeah, I think impact kind of came behind what was my curiosity into entrepreneurship. And I didn't even consider it entrepreneurship. So I started an eBay store when I was 22 in 2006 and it's called Nasty Gal and eventually, you know, had a website and curated other brands and did over $100 million in revenue. But it started with a little marketplace, not little, but before Etsy, you know, before you could build a website on Shopify, it was so challenging. Um, I was just going down kind of like the rabbit hole, I guess, of one foot in front of the other solving problems. Oh, wow. If I take a photo better, I write a description better. Just, you know, it was a typical eBay store, but I absolutely loved learning what worked, what didn't reverse engineering, what my competitors were doing, doing it differently, seeing what my customers responded to testing and trying things. And for me being in a workplace environment, one, I'm just not manageable. I'm a very like angsty person and I cannot be assigned things. Like I have to generate my own assignments. Otherwise I literally have no ideas. If someone tells me to write a book, I just can't write a book, you know? <laughs> Thank God for chat GPT. <laughs> I have to, I have to have a book in me. I have to have something in me. And it was through that 10 years of entrepreneurship that I realized, wow, you don't have to be a business person to be a business person. At the time, I thought business people, I didn't go to school. So I thought business people like carried briefcases and sometimes they do, the ones that actually commute now. But it turns out that this generation and the generations coming up, everybody's an entrepreneur. And when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm going to tell my story. And I wrote Girl Boss in 2014, which was a New York Times bestseller. And that was the thing that really made me realize this, I can make an impact by showing other people that someone who doesn't have a pedigree, maybe I've just engineered my own over the years, but I don't at all. I'm a dropout from Sacramento. Um, can share with the world that starting a business is very possible for anybody with a computer and an internet connection. And, you know, there is a distinguishment between academia and intelligence. And more and more today, I see that I come from a highly academic family, one that was bred to be doctor, lawyers, or failures. So when I graduated law school and wanted to be an entrepreneur and sell the internet in 1992, my mom almost had a heart attack, or at least she pretended to have one to guilt me into being a real lawyer, but it didn't work. Um, but beyond you know that expectation, I still think that people put a stigma on academics uh, that have very little to do with uh, intelligence and business acumen. And you've done so many different things 
to empower entrepreneurs, to empower women entrepreneurs, people of color, minorities, all types of different shapes and sizes of entrepreneurs to stray away by illuminating the fact that you're not an academic, uh, but you are hyper-intelligent. And intelligence to me incorporates three things. Uh, one is intellect. Now that's different than being an academic. Intuition and inspiration. Uh, for you, does that resonate with you, those three attributes? And if not, or if so, what other ones do you think are included in the distinguishment between being an academic and being intelligent? Yeah, I think being ap academic is, I wish I went to college. I wish, because college gives you a network and it teaches you how to think. It teaches you how to think through problems in a structured way, solve problems, present things, that stuff that I had to learn once my business was already really large. So I envy folks who go to Stanford and I still have this chip on my shoulder, like Me I too. college, <laughs> I never went to college. This eBay store worked out when I was 22. Um, but I also know that theory and knowing things is only one part of the equation. And there's so many people who know what they need to do or told what they need to do, or even have an idea or no, you know, understand business and finance in ways I never will, but they just navel gaze. It's so easy to just grind to a halt and consider, you know, what should I do? How should I do it? And academia doesn't matter. Intellect doesn't even matter if you're not taking action. I actually have this regrettable tattoo that I missed a flight. It was $80 in Miami. I ditched the, um, what's it called? conference whatever it was on a <laughs> boat the one on the boat I was like oh my god get me off this boat summit it was on a boat yeah. oh, I was like I left before I left port um and it says words tend to be inadequate and I very much just believe that the difference between the people who are doing what you want to be doing and you is that they're just doing it and whether they're an expert or not, you can make yourself an expert. And that's what I've done one foot in front of the other, like a, like, you know, like scavenging for vintage. I've scavenged for information and anything can be not anything. So many things can be reverse engineered if you're curious enough and we'll dig deep to figure out how other people do things. One of the things we share is I was blessed with uh, early success in my early 20s as well and ended up making a tremendous amount of money. And I used to tell people something that I think you believe as well, or at least tell people that, you know, nobody's given me anything. I made it happen. And one of the things is I'm a lot older now. I look back and I said, I wish I would have realized uh, that just because nothing was handed to me and I had to figure things out myself. I should have still been asking for help. As you look back on your early success and having a chip on our shoulders like we do, and you know, although I did go to college and graduate school and business school, rejected by Stanford every time. So I have a Stanford chip on my shoulder, at least when it comes to academia. I wish I could have uh, somehow reconciled my desire to do it on my own and to be able to say I did it on my own with the powerful nature of asking for help. And now you sit in the situation with business class and trust fund, you're the one giving the help. And there's probably people like you and I out there going, well, I, I, they're not gonna help me. I don't need to ask for help. I'm just gonna do it myself. 
How did that interplay within your success? And would you do something differently when it comes to the humility of asking for help? Asking for help. Yeah. I've always been really humble about asking for help. I'm I'm now better than me. <laughs> I'm I've I've done a lot of value extraction and now I want to give that value back. And even today, it's like I just started a venture fund. I've invested over a million of my own dollars. Uh, as an angel investor into some amazing startups, but operating a fund is different. And there are so many amazing people out there, solo GPs who have paved the way for me. And I'm on text with them all day. And they're like, sorry, I'm in a meeting. Like I'm shameless about asking for advice, but I also have a network. So there's, okay, I'm shameless about asking for advice. But if you're in a place where you don't have that, those relationships, and even worse, you don't know who to ask, that's really tough. Humility is only one part of the equation. And I was in that position for years at Nasty Gal when I started my business. I wasn't, I bootstrapped it to over 12 million in revenue. I had no credit cards. I had no debt. I had no investors. I thought selling something was literally buying it and selling it for more than you paid for it and then not spending all the money. I didn't know companies could operate at a loss. I just was not my world. And I wound up raising $50 million and I controlled 80, I owned 80% of the business. So I controlled the board. I had two seats. My lead investor had one and that was it. And the board never got bigger after that. And I've heard boards can be a nightmare, you know, board dynamics and, you know, conflicted, uh, you know, people with, you can edit this. What is it? Conflicting interests. Right. Um, and people with conflicting interests. Um, but there's also more voices around the table. So even if you don't necessarily agree with them, you have more data to parse through from people who sit on other boards or have worked with companies like yours. So at Nasty Gal, I didn't have an advisory board. I had one board member. And I think and I really regret not having cultivated my relationships in a slightly more formal way and inviting people and giving them equity or incentivizing them in some way to have skin in the game to help me and be aligned with me um, as advisors in ways that an investor may not necessarily be. Yeah, it's a, a great lesson as we find more and more times. Now you have your own fund and uh, with a $5 million target in that fund specifically to help entrepreneurs with check sizes, I think from 50 to 150. Um, are there a certain type of entrepreneur? I'm a big investor in the jockey. Uh, you know, I just don't have faith in that people actually can tell the future and know what their business is going to evolve to. But I know someone like you, I would invest in because you're going to figure it out. And that figuring out is a great value to me uh, to put my money behind a great jockey that I don't care what the horse looks like today. They're going to whip the horse into shape and win races for me. Uh, what are you looking for in the entrepreneur with the new fund that you just launched with, with trust fund? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm creating a pedigree out of the, you know, adopted horse who had like, you know, mats in their fur or whatever. That's kind of <laughs> All any of us can do is try to pedigree ourselves beyond whatever we were handed. Trust fund, yeah, is was set to be a $5 million venture fund. Uh, and I did something called, called a community raise. So I'm allowing 
anybody to apply who's an accredited investor to write checks between two and 20K, which typically very few people are invited to venture funds, largely because you can't traditionally have more than 99 limited partners or investors, people who invest in your fund so you can invest in other companies. There's a vehicle called a 506C election that allows me to solicit in public, one, talk about it while I'm raising, and two, have, in addition to something called a parallel fund, over 2,000 LPs. I was planning to raise $5 million. I got $5.5 million in applications for checks between 2 and 20K over less than a week after announcing this in TechCrunch. Uh, I had already raised 1.3 from Mark Andreessen and Paris Hilton and, you know, uh, some great, really smart Ev Williams who founded Twitter, who founded Twitter. So now I've got three and some change left to raise of a $10 million fund. Um, and your question? Yeah, that's what type of entrepreneur? What? Yeah. You're going to have $10 million very sh in short order. So yeah. with that $10 million, what are you looking for in your jockeys, the one that you're yeah, willing totally. to invest in? Um, I'm not looking for, you know, in terms of who I invest in, I'm not looking for diamonds in the rough. I get a lot of decks. I see a lot. A lot of people are cold emailing me and DMing me. We have an application on the trust fund website where you can apply. And I look at everything and I do reach out to people directly. I'm not a giant venture fund. I don't see everything. I don't see every productivity tool and every collaboration tool and every digital health startup. And there are tons emerging at any given time. I don't see the full landscape like a larger fund does. So I am maybe for the first time in my life, a little bit of a follower. I'm looking for entrepreneurs who largely, not completely, not always, largely are either, you know, adjacent to or aligned with um, somebody that I know. It could be an angel investor. It could be another entrepreneur. In-network is helpful because there's a sense of validation because otherwise I'm investing in complete strangers. But that's not necessarily the case. I have enough risk in being a community college dropout so I think I'm over-indexed in the um, in intellect, but not academic um, category. So I actually look, not always, again, not always, but it's nice when someone does have a really great education. They're well-networked. They know how to think. They've, they're not going to be feeling their way around in the dark the same way that I did. Hopefully I'm able to provide some light to any founder who either joins business class, my digital entrepreneurship program or trust fund so that they're not feeling their way around in the dark. And we all are to a certain extent, but anyone who's got, you know, a little crack of light already before, you know, I, I get in there to check out their business is helpful. And then hopefully I can crack the door open even more and shine a light on all the gnarly stuff that comes with building a company. Yeah, there's a lot of gnarly stuff, especially in a lot of dummy tax, no matter who you are, whether you're uh, the founder of Netflix or Twitch or Twitter, it doesn't matter. We've all paid it and share it with others so they don't have to pay it, which is what you do with business class and with over 1,500 uh, entrepreneurs around the world, just sharing your experience in dummy tech and bringing in other people as well uh, with that. I think it's a 10-week digital course that you provide for people. 
Yeah, it's a 10-week digital course. We're going to experiment with taking Evergreen where anyone can join anytime. But I started business class in late 2020 during the pandemic. Really isn't in an effort to harvest everything that I've learned. Like I'm benefiting from it, but I also think other people can benefit from it. And if it's going to be that painful, I might as well make use of it because that makes it feel a little bit less painful. So I created a super comprehensive entrepreneurship course, largely for bootstrap founders. Um, and they can be, excuse me, <clears throat> and they can be a brow artist, they can be a designer, they can be someone who has a, a startup or is building technology, it runs the gamut, but they either have an idea or they have a few ideas and they want to validate or they have a business. And for all of them, we start with validating their business, even if it's in business, because that's something we should always be doing and always talking to our customers. And from there, it takes them through everything from legal and LLCs and C-Corps and S-Corps and trademarks and, you know, the USPTO and um, through like branding, marketing, paid, earned, owned, uh, leadership, uh, you know, the, the full gamut, um, of, of starting a business and also auditing your existing business. And it's, yes, it's called business class, but it's a double entendre. And then it's, and I love naming things it's aviation themed, not just aviation business class, got it, but Pan Am 1960s flight attendant, like vintage, vibes and I'm teaching over eight hours of entrepreneurship on video wearing a Pan Am flight attendant costume and each of the modules is called a flight and the lessons are called legs and in the course of the 10-week program which we will be launching again this spring before we maybe flip it to evergreen are called um the break weeks are called layovers it's like endless puns it's just so okay. much fun. It's a, it makes learning about entrepreneurship really fun. Which we need. And I will tell you, after speaking with you, I want to continue to invest in cloning because if I can clone you, I'll make billions of dollars in my life. Uh, we need more entrepreneurs like you. Where I want to end up is, you know, as I listen to you, watch you and have three daughters, myself, 23, 21 and 18, all entrepreneurial, I think to myself, my biggest challenge is with equity and inclusion. One of the most frustrating things in my career, uh, especially now as a father of mature women, um, is that less than 3% of our capital is going to women and people of color. And 73% of Americans are women and people of color. And yet uh, you have a better chance if you go to Stanford of getting funded uh, than if you are a woman or a person of color, despite the fact, believe it or not, that economically and the data is proven now, we've been studying long enough, that you have a better chance of making money uh, by investing in a woman or a person of color than a person that graduated from Stanford. Uh, I know people wouldn't believe that, but go check the data. For you, how important is it mm -hmm. uh, to provide opportunity and capital to women mm -hmm. and, and people of color? It's really important. And by nature of my having short, shared my story, there's kind of a natural um, pull marketing, I guess, instead of push marketing that um, women follow me. Um, I've invested in a lot of women, but I've also invested in a lot of men. And I plan on investing in men as well, because why not ride on the coattails of someone else's privilege? Nice. I love it. <laughs> I'm an opportunist. Are you kidding Might me? Well, take advantage of the first class customers too. And maybe women execute better, you know, but there is, there is a different kind of advantage that men have. 
I think, yeah, 12% of general partners at venture funds are women. So it's also about getting more women uh, investors out there um, who understand you know, the nuances of being a woman, uh, raising venture capital, understand, you know, some of the businesses that women start, because I can't tell you how many times I've heard female entrepreneurs who are starting a business that is geared toward women, women, their investors say, let me show this to my wife, which, you know, that's cool. They want to share it, but it's because they don't understand it and can't have conviction because they just don't relate. Um, and that's something that I can do you know, the, I've written one check out of trust fund and I haven't announced it. Alexis Ohanian uh, at seven, seven, six is leading their seed round. And the first thing this woman asked me when we hopped on a call after I invested was about becoming a mom. I'm not a mom, but you know, what is it like, you know, what, what, what am I going to experience? I'm afraid that they're going to think I'm taking my eyes off the ball. What if I have to take like, a you know, time off or I don't remember her specific questions, but these aren't questions that you can ask a male investor and navigating, you know, the being woman is just, it is, you have a different experience, right? You're like, you're bought, you're like laid up. <laughs> you have yeah. Yeah, the president of my company is pregnant at this time. So we're dealing with that exact issue and uh, mm -hmm. trying to be economical and supportive at the same time with what's most important to me, which is family. And someone who has four kids, it's uh, a priority for me to figure it out, uh, how I can still make money and help people and have fun within the context of their values. And I will tell you, uh, it's just such a pleasure and uh, an honor to be with you. I know you'll close out that round very quickly, but while everybody's listening to this, if there's any room left, make sure you check out Trust Fund. It's so much easier to make money by investing in people like Sophia than actually building it yourself. Trust me, I've done it both ways and I'm always looking for people like you to help me make a lot of money, help a lot of people, and have wow. a lot of fun. Thanks for sharing your playbook to success, your trust fund. The business class is a great way to do that as well. Come on, join the plane, fly with Sophia. Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs, the playbook.